Grace, mercy, and peace be with you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. In Matthew and Luke's account of Jesus' temptation in the wilderness, there is what more or less is a battle of words. There's a lot of talking that goes on. Jesus responding to Satan's numerous questions, all of which begin with, did God really say? And are you really the Son of God? But in Mark, it's simply a battle. It's a war that's going on with the angels and Jesus on one side and with Satan and his minions on the other. The heavens are torn open, according to Mark, at Jesus' baptism. That's almost a sign of violence right there. And then the Spirit immediately drives him out into the wilderness. You almost have this picture of like Jesus in the temple with his whip, except this time it's the Holy Spirit. Let's go, let's go, let's go. And then when Jesus finally does get out into the wilderness, the first thing it says is he was there with the wild animals. And after that temptation, which takes place in only a couple verses, John the Baptist is already arrested. Every gospel has a symbol, and Mark's symbol is the lion because Mark's gospel is war. Jesus is at war with evil. He is at war with the forces of evil, the demons, and the fallenness of all of God's creation. This is what Jesus is taking on, and he intends to win. And while Mark does not give us the temptation of bread and temple and mountain, he does give us the one line to which I want to pay attention this morning. And he was with the wild animals and the angels were ministering to him. Now, what were the wild animals of Jesus's time? The world back then was filled with terrifying creatures, some of them real, some animals of legend. But they didn't have street lights back then. They didn't have fences along the auto routes. They didn't have auto routes at all. Everywhere you went was a possible encounter with an animal that could do you harm. There were animals on the earth and over the earth and in the sea, all of them terrifying. It's why you always went walking, not just with a staff, but with a sword, just in case you had to defend yourself. There was the wild ox. There was the jackal, there was the ostrich, the lion, the raven, to say nothing of all of the sea creatures, known and unknown, that were underneath your boat as you went floating on the beautiful Mediterranean Sea. The fact that the world is full of wild animals is part of the fallenness of creation. It's part of the sign that something isn't right with the world. Because after all, in the very first chapter of Genesis, at the end of every single day, God said that it was good. He didn't say, oh, look, I've made venomous snakes. Oh, look, I've made disease-carrying mosquitoes. I've made viruses. I've made bacteria. And then said it was very good. These are all the product of the fall the thorns and the thistles, and the general barrenness of the world. Ken Ham, who founded a group called Answers in Genesis in the United States, emphasizes this fact to all the people that think, oh, just point out to people how beautiful the world is and they will believe in God. Ken says, look, I'm from Australia. And while there are a lot of nice things about Australia, there's a lot about Australia that is really dag-nasty evil. Imagine, he writes, you've come to Australia for a vacation in order to get away from 
the real world for a while. And while walking on one of our wonderful nature trails, let's just say you brush up against the stinging tree. The pain is so great that you rush down the hillside to the nearby ocean to wash your arm and immediately, it's almost like he's channeling Mark's gospel, you get stung by one of the deadly tropical sea stingers, which makes you dizzy and delirious, not to mention even more pain. And so you crawl out of the ocean and fall into a nearby freshwater creek and chomp, just like that, your lunch for one of our wonderful man-eating crocodiles. Then he says, let's all break into a chorus of all things bright and beautiful. Did God make all of these things? Stinging trees, venomous spiders and snakes, freshwater crocodiles that eat both man and animal? Sort of. All things have their origin in God, but the reason why these things exist is because of us and the forces of evil, Satan who tempted us in the beginning. Did God make them? Yes. Then why do they hate us so much? Because of sin. This is what Jesus has come to do battle with, the general fallenness of the world. And it's why it is important that he doesn't just go to a spa somewhere to encounter Satan or just go to some nice relaxing beach where he can lay there and get a tan. No, he goes out into the wilderness where the wild animals are where it is part of the fallen created order so that he can fight and defeat the things that bite and sting and maim and kill. The Bible does do this, by the way, compares evil to wild animals. The book of Job might be the best example of this, where there's a whole list of wild animals and God asks, do you think I am not aware of their existence? Do you think I am not also their God? Two of the chief of these wild animals are mentioned in Job chapter 40 and 41. Behold, behemoth, which I made as I made you, the Lord says. He eats grass like an ox. Behold, his strength is in his loins and his power in the muscles of his belly. He makes his tail stiff like a cedar. The sinews of his thighs are knit together. His bones are tubes of bronze, his limbs like bars of iron. And I might add, you don't want to run into behemoth in a dark alley. Can you draw out Leviathan? The Lord says, with a fish hook, or press down his tongue with a cord. Can you put a rope in his nose or pierce his jaw with a hook? Will he make many pleas to you? Will he speak to you soft words? God is well aware of the damage that evil has done to creation, and he needs us to know he is still Lord even over the stinging tree and the wild ox and the jackal, even over the ostrich and the man-eating crocodile, even over behemoth and leviathan. The wild animals are symbols of the world's fall under the spell of evil. And the first Sunday of Lent is how Jesus is going to deal with evil up front. The thing is, though, our cities have tamed the wilderness. You wander around Park X, you don't have to worry about wild ostriches. You don't have to look around and see if Leviathan might jump out at you from behind Desimondi one of these mornings or afternoons. It's rare to have a 
a man-eating crocodile chase you down Jari. Although, true story, there was an alligator that got on the loose that was walking down Jari just a few years ago. Can't happen. But it was weird to see that. It wasn't normal. Because our cities are generally pretty safe from wild animals. Safe from wild animals. It doesn't make them safe. In many ways, our cities are like the wilderness that Jesus went out into. There are fires, there are shootings, there are robberies, there are strange men and women on the metro, and you're not quite sure what to do when they start lurching towards you. In some ways, we might prefer to be in the wilderness, thinking it might be a little bit safer. Because sometimes the wildest animals of all are us. The old hymn is wise. I walk in danger all the way. We have met the wildest of animals, and it is us. So the question remains, is Jesus with us when we are out there in the wilderness? Well, I said that this was a war, and a war is generally two-sided. Otherwise, it's just a rout. So if Satan and the demons are fighting on one side, then who is on the other? It is Jesus, but Mark says he is being ministered to by angels. Sometimes we put these in chronological order. First, the wild animals, and then the angels. But it doesn't really say that. It's like it's all happening at the same time. On one side, you have got these forces of evil as represented by the jackals and the ostriches and the wild ox. But on the other side, you have the angelic forces. And what is an angel? Angelos in Greek means messenger. It is one who speaks. Messengers of God bring his word. An angel of the Lord speaks to Abraham and says, put away your knife and gives him good news. You are not going to kill your one and only son. Angels bring the word of promise that reminds us that God is with us even in the wilderness, even as we're surrounded by wild animals. Psalm 25, indeed, none who wait for you shall be put to shame. You just sung it. Make me to know your ways, O Lord, and teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. Not so that you will be, but because that is who you are. And I wait for you all the day long. Every good gift, every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Abraham believed God and said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. And so both of them could go up together. The angels with Jesus are giving him the word. Isn't that what happens in Matthew and Luke? Each time Jesus responds to the temptation of the devil, it is purely with the word of God. It's with the promises that God has made to him. He is able to stand with the same tool that you have and that I have, which is that God has promised not to leave us alone with the wild animals and the demons and with Satan. God's angels are with us, too. Every time the word of God comes into our mind, 
It is the angels who are reminding you of what God has promised for you. When it looks like the man-eating crocodile is going to have his way, or that stinging tree is going to take you down, or it looks like the ostrich has your number, you can remember that God has promised that he will never leave you nor forsake you, and that if he was willing to give up his one and only son, that by his shed blood you might be redeemed, then he will not leave you in this moment either. By grace I'm saved, grace free and boundless, my soul believe and doubt it not. Why stagger at this word of promise? Has scripture ever falsehood taught? No, then this word must remain. By grace you too shall heaven obtain. By grace, oh mark this word of promise when you are by your sins oppressed, when Satan plagues your troubled conscience, and when your heart is seeking rest. What reason cannot comprehend, God by his grace to you will send. And sometimes, dear friends in Christ, brothers and sisters, you and I get to be the angel. I remember my very first national youth gathering out there in Edmonton. Cannot believe my parents let all of us, 14 and 15-year-olds, fly all the way to Alberta. But there we were, and Walter Wangren former speaker of Lutheran Vespers, the United States, was our keynote speaker. And I think they picked him because his dad had been president of the college in Edmonton at one point. So it was a bit of a homecoming. But he talked to us one time about the kind of language that we hear in school, sometimes even in our workplace, increasingly on the radio and on TV. You know, the person that's coming down the hallway with their hands filled with a report or some report card, the first words out of their mouth are, God! What am I going to do? Now, as a Christian, you're like, second commandment. should not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. But Pastor Wagrin said, sometimes that's not swearing. Sometimes that's a prayer. Sometimes when somebody next to you says, oh God, where are you? Lord, what am I going to do? It is up to you to be the angel. They are being attacked by the wild animals of the world, and there is nothing wrong with going up to them and saying, you rang? What can God do for you? What can the Lord do for you? Sometimes take them at their word, because sometimes you get to be the angel, because you know what's up. You know the war. You know what's going on. You know why things are falling apart, and you know who wins the victory. And you know that one little word can fell our opponent. By grace you have been saved through faith. The trials we face in life are often very similar to the trials that Jesus faced. The difference is that we do not face them alone. Because now Jesus faces them with us. Because he fought the wildest animal of all, which was Satan, and he won. Jesus stood up to the wildest of animals, us, and everything we could do to him, and won. And Jesus will not abandon you or I in the valley of the shadow of death. The same angel that ministered to Jesus, the same angel that spoke to Abraham, speaks to you through the scriptures and ministers to you when you are out there in the wilderness with Satan and the wild animals. Dear friends, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe 
the good news. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Amen.